Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. On today's California Report magazine. Can I can I get the mic, please? Wait, you're taking my mic? Yes, thank you. Our show is getting taken over by a bunch of high school students. What's going on, California Report World? I'm Tyrus, and I'm a senior at Richmond High. In today's show, we're going to hear the voices of students and learn about what matters to us most, like having a stable place to live. I felt the world go silent. In my head, all these thoughts kind of flashed through. What are we going to do? Like, where are we going to go? And redefining what it really means to be a man. He would tell me to not show any emotion or feelings because that's what a man would not do. Plus, how art can help us learn about ourselves. Dance makes me feel like I can fly, but it also translates into my biggest fear, vulnerability. I'm Tyrus Hammonds. And I'm Sasha Coca. And And this this is is the the California California Report Report Magazine. Magazine. Your state, your stories. We're broadcasting this week's show from Richmond High School in the Bay Area. I'm Tyrus Ammons, an 18-year-old senior. I like to call myself an artist and uh, a gamer, but I'm very excited to be on the show. Yeah, and Tyrus is just one of many students from high schools all around the Bay Area who are on KQED's airwaves this week. KQED is the station where our show is produced, and students have been behind the mic all week for a youth takeover. I think our airwaves have been sounding really different, a lot less like old school public radio. (laughs) Has this ever happened before? No. What do you think about the whole idea? It might not get all positive response, but I do think it's like something new. And um, kids get a little bit of exposure to show the world what they go through in their lives. So we're at my locker, and I'm going to try to get it open. Cool. So you bring your lunch? You don't go to the cafeteria? No, this is that's actually very old. Ooh, a nasty old Tupperware. <laughs> that's very old. That's actually very old, yeah. Um, what did I have in here? I can't remember. But I did give it for uh, Mr. Mevlin. I brought him lunch. Oh, you brought your teacher lunch? That's yeah. what that was for? Mm-hmm. So sweet. What did you make for him? Or did your mom do it? I made it. I can't remember. Oh, I brought some. I brought him some fried chicken. That's that's fried chicken in there. That's like hot sauce from the fried chicken. Yeah, that's what that is. Awesome. So just down the hall from here is where you guys have your journalism class at Richmond High. So let's look at the accurate news example, which says studies find increased crime rate in communities of color. Yeah. What makes that most accurate? Studies. Studies. So we actually know that they're citing to some sort of research. Yeah, my class did a lot of stories for youth takeover, like what it's like to be undocumented or to be like a teen parent. And we heard from some other schools, too. 
Yeah, we're going to start with a story about music. Yeah, this story comes to us from two high school seniors at Menlo Atherton High. They're basically using music to stay connected to their culture. They're two cousins, Joe Fifita and Moala Tautua'a, and they've been singing together ever since they were little. They grew up next door to each other on the South Pacific island of Tonga. Yeah, I mean, we, we sang, we sing all the time. I don't even think there's a time where we didn't sing. My name is Moala Tautua'a. My dad's, my dad's older brother. He's married to one of my mom's sisters. Hi, my name is Joe Fifita and I am a 18 years old. That's the best one. I'm older than him by a couple months, but I still think we like we like brother. He's like an old brother to me. No matter if there's trouble or something, he always step up for me sometimes. And I always step up for him. As a Tongan boy, at at the younger age you're required to like join the church choir. The kids we sit in the front and then on the row next to us are all the men. And when we listen to them harmonize, it's just it's just like that. It's like a click. It's like and like just like listening to them is like a dictionary for us. It's like we we define every single note when we're young and just like build on it as we get older. We just do random stuff which makes us happy. But it's mostly singing though. So we be like, like say, hey, where you at? I'm out the house. Well, you want to swing by? Yeah, I'm walking. Yeah, let's go. He started he start coming to my house, start singing for a little bit. We like feel bored or something. Mala just like start beatboxing or just start playing instrumental. We just start jamming. We mostly talk about, you know, life. We just like reading a story, talking about grew up in a poor family and stuff like that and how the... How the hell we got here in America and start finding life and education? I think music uh, definitely um, helps us not um, do that like bad stuff. Keeps us off the streets. Learn from music too. Yeah, music to me is like a it's like a spirit that just comes through my mind. It's like a drug to me. <laughs> And I'm addicted to it. <laughs> For the California Report, this is Joe Fifira. We're here at Richmond High School, and you're listening to the California Report magazine. Special Youth Takeover Edition. One of the things that we heard in that story is about how young men are learning music from older men. And I mean, just like in any culture, men, guys are often not supposed to express emotion, but you heard so much emotion through their singing. 
I think that's really nice. They can express themselves through music and they were taught by other men how to express themselves using that music. I think it's a really good outlet. Not a lot of men know how to let off steam the right way. Yeah, and in fact, some of your classmates here at Richmond High actually did a story about this, about how the stereotypes and expectations of manhood affect them. Let's take a listen. Grow up. Be a man. Man, don't cry. Don't be a sissy. Grow some balls. Man up. Are these words familiar to you? How does this make you feel? Are you tired of hearing it? Growing up as a man in Richmond, we are expected to be part of the crowd. A crowd where violence, drugs, and crime exist. At least that's what society thinks of us. In Richmond, we have to wear a mask. A mask that hides our feelings, exposes masculinity, and leads us to violence. This mask is made by society. We can't show who we truly are because many of us are afraid to be judged or called a girl. He would tell me to not show any emotion or feelings because that's what a man would not do. That is Bernardo. He told us that's how he was expected to act according to his dad. But we're finding a lot of boys and men in Richmond are redefining what it means to be a man. According to Parental Influence on the Emotional Development of Children by Christy Weber, parents have a significant influence on how children turn out, including their personality, emotional development, and behavioral habits. Children see how their parents display emotions and interact with other people, and they imitate what they see their parents do to regulate emotions. So what made Bernardo change? What made him redefine the definition of a man? The thing that made me change of definition of being a man is uh, growing up I would see people like show emotion that would make me like also show some emotion like towards people. In addition to showing emotions, many boys in Richmond are switching up expectations because of the roles they play in their families. To always provide for your family things that you can do. Um, and to be there for your family. And that's Fabian, a mentor here at Richmond High School. In Richmond, we are considered to be the kind of man who holds power, shows no emotions, and is tough. However, we have feelings. We can express our emotions and we actually care about the people who we surround ourselves with. Through the interviews, we learned that men from Richmond are not the ones that society portrays. We have to put an end to gender norms, where the man is the tough, heartless person and the woman is a sensitive caring person. It's time to spread love and not hate and not judge others by their physical appearance or personality. For the California Report, this is Frank Mendieta. I can't relate. Growing up, my mom, she didn't tell me not to cry or um, to suck it up. Um, showing emotions was really easy. And your mom raised you by herself, right? She was a single mom? Yeah, she's single. It was just me and her. And so you interviewed your mom for this project because you and some other students basically did a story about single moms, about everything single moms have to do. What was that like? I had to ask her about things that happened a really long time ago. When I was about four or five, we went to a woman's shelter, and um, we never bring it up. Or talk about it but since you know we had the youth take over it kind of gave me an idea to go back to her and ask about that time so let's hear a little bit of your interview with your mom okay so if you want to say what what was going through your head while you were there for those five days what was going through my head was what could i have done to have avoided being in 
that situation, just being able to keep myself with my head up and stay focused and not get too distracted or into a state of uh, depression or feeling as if I was defeated. How do you think, how did it affect me? Were you worrying about what mental strain it would put on me? No, I didn't. At the time, that was not my concern. But you were young. I was young. Very first child. And all at that time I can think of was our well-being and keeping us safe. So how did it feel to hear your mom say that? I felt like for her to be doing that at the age she was at and to be so calm and collective, I'm very proud of her. How old was your mom? 24. I mean, you guys had never talked about this before. You never talked about the fact that you guys were basically homeless for a little while. I'm very proud that she was able to find a place to stay and then get back on her feet and switch environments to a safer place. Yeah, sadly, there are a lot of students who face being homeless at one point or another in their lives. Yeah, I know. My friend Jennifer and classmate um, hit really hard times recently. So she's a senior with you at Richmond High. And just a few weeks ago, she told us that she put on a sparkly pink dress and she went to prom, which is a quintessentially high school experience. But most of the time, Jennifer feels much older because of what she's been through. She remembers having a happy childhood with her older brothers and her parents. And she told us that they used to take trips to Toys R Us. They had this really comfortable home. There was a lot of love in their family. But her life started changing around her sophomore year when her dad's construction company hit hard times. Her parents had nowhere to turn for help. They lost their home, and they were both undocumented, which didn't help. That's why we only use Jennifer's first name. One normal day, the landlord just, like, decided to pull up to her house. He has white hair, blue eyes, and a white, bushy mustache. And he walked up to me and said, hey, could you, like, call out your mom? She was actually cooking at that moment, so she turned off the stove and, like, dried her hands and walked outside. The landlord started off with, hey, like, I'm no longer interested in renting this place. And, you know, like, it's not really bringing in enough money as I thought it would. I'm just ready to sell this place and finally make some good money out of this old dump. Since my mom wasn't answering, I guess he got irritated and said, Hey, I'm giving you three months and be lucky at that. If you're not out of here in three months, I'm calling the sheriff to get you guys out of here. I felt the world go silent. In my head, all these thoughts kind of flashed through. What are we going to do? Like, where are we going to go? I looked at her and I asked, what are we going to do? Mom, what are we going to do? How are you going to tell your kid you don't know what to do? Two weeks later, he returned. He was just saying, like, I've thought things over, and I think I was a little bit too harsh with you guys. Like, I mean, it's been nine years, almost ten. So let's make a deal. And he told my dad, I know that you're really good at construction. You could fix this place up and reconstruct it for me so it could be ready for when I want to sell it. Of course, you're not going to be living inside of it. You could live in the garage.
the floor was this old concrete. It was like a dark gray brown color. No matter how much you washed it, it wouldn't go away. I would usually take turns with my family either sleeping on the old mattress that was there or I slept on the concrete floor that was like piled on with a bunch of blankets. Even though there was like many blankets, you could still feel the hard floor on your back. Since there was no electricity or no like actual windows, you didn't know the time of day. It was so dark that if you would extend your hand out and just stare at it, you couldn't even see the outline of your hand. My grades went down significantly. Like I failed a couple semesters and it was bad. Like things were already worse at home and just things becoming worse at school was just something that I just thought it was just like the end of the world for me. And then with the garage thing, I didn't tell anyone either because I was ashamed of the situation and I was scared that people wouldn't understand or would just like tease me for it. I would stare at people and just see how they would smile and laugh and just like not have like a single care in the world. And I was just like, why was it me that I had to deal with all this? was diagnosed with septicemia and she was hospitalized. Septicemia is a condition where there is an infection somewhere in your body that is not treated. So the infection starts spreading out and it gets even more serious when it gets into your bloodstream. I thought she wasn't going to make it. Like all these ideas just started flashing through my head like this could be like the last time I see her. And that just kind of led me into like a deeper depression. My dad stepped away from everything. He would stay out long nights, like drinking, trying to cope with the situation. He slowly just started to drift away. It really changes you as a person because, I mean, like one moment you have like this perfect life with your like family and you just want to like get by and get better things. And then one moment or another, you end up with nothing and just having to deal with it and not really tell anyone about it. Oof, there's a lot of lessons I've gained. Always keep that positive mindset towards people, no matter how they treat you. Another thing I've learned is to not take things for granted. Be more appreciative of everything you have. I'm grateful for the family I have. Because no matter like the situations that happen or the things that we went through, we stayed together in a way. They can't give you everything in the world, but they wish they could. And that's what's important. Jennifer says she and her family lived in that garage behind their old house for almost two years. But recently, they found another house to rent. And Jennifer's taking online courses to make up for the classes she failed a few years ago. If she passes them, she's going to graduate high school in June. After hearing Jennifer's story, you can really tell that life can um, turn for the worst. And not everyone has a stable place to live or everything is always all right. I look up to Jennifer in the whole art world because she is so good at art. And it's like whenever I don't know how to draw something or I need like assistance or help I know like I can go play hey Jennifer so how do I draw a face of someone and she'll be like well actually there's like a like a tip she'll give me so many tips she's drawn me twice and like each time magnifique 
Yeah, it sounds like opening up to friends, including people like you, helped Jennifer overcome her depression about the situation. And we know that friendship is really important. It can help us get through hard times. Totally. Our next story is about friendship. It's from Lucas Tran, and he's a senior at Lincoln High School in San Francisco. And when he was a kid, his family signed him up for Cub Scouts. At first, he didn't want to be there at all. But now he's working on getting his Eagle Scout rank. That's the highest achievement in the Boy Scouts. So over the years, Lucas has learned a ton about the outdoors, which is what you learn in Boy Scouts. But he says what sticks with him more are the lessons he learned from a friendship that he made through being a Boy Scout. We all have objects, people, or events that change who we are as a person. Rather it be winning a competition, meeting the love of your life, or joining a gang. Rather it being good or bad, it shapes us to who we are today. The smell of freshly cut grass, the sounds of birds chirping, and the sight of scouts from all ages. When I first joined Cub Scouts, I was shy, quiet, and lonely. Didn't talk to anyone, didn't like being there in general. Being forced to go there every week was hell for a six-year-old. I was like this for months until one day a random friendly face invited me to play dodgeball. Little did I know, that one gesture changed my life forever. He took me under his wings. Because of him, I opened up and became more social. We became best friends that couldn't be separated. Slowly, he started coming less and less, and eventually stopped coming altogether. I moved up to Boy Scouts without him and pushed through the ranks and positions. Days turns into weeks, weeks into months, and months into years. One day, I got an email asking me to go visit him. There he was. The skinny, energetic kid I once knew was now a round, bald kid that was stuck in a wheelchair. He was diagnosed with brain cancer and had been dealing with it for years. I saw his eyes and how they lit up when I saw him for the first time. I stayed with him for hours, conversating about the things that used to, is, and will happen. Eventually, hours were getting late and I had to leave. This process repeated over the weeks even after he was allowed back home. He always made time for me, just how I always made time for him. One day while visiting him, we were all playing games when he fell asleep, which was pretty normal. In his state, just staying up used up a lot of energy. After he was tucked in, me and his family talked for a bit and had dinner. I left without saying goodbye because I was coming back tomorrow just like every weekend. He passed away in his sleep the night I left without saying goodbye. funeral was held a few days later. Everyone I knew was there. We all hoped for him to make a recovery, to be one of the lucky ones, and to be happy. But sometimes, bad things happen so we can learn. With a lot of time and support, I got through this very tough time. Even when he passed, he taught me things about my life. He taught me to enjoy life and to stay positive. But most importantly, Andy taught me to never take things for granted. Enjoy what you have right now because you never truly appreciate it until it's gone. It could slip through your fingers at any moment and change your life for the worse. 
or for the better. The band practice is right here. Just, uh, you can hear them already. Sounds pretty good. So do you play in the school band? No, but I do play acoustic and electric guitar. Well, our last story today is also about the arts, and it's from Daisy Kwok, who's a senior at Lincoln High School in San Francisco, where she leads the hip-hop dance team. But the confident girl that can bust a move in a freestyle dance battle has come a long way from where she was four years ago. The music starts. I freeze, not for the first time. In five rounds, I'll be met with imploring eyes, begging me to take that first step. But I can never seem to do it. My feet are cemented. When I joined my school's hip-hop club all those years ago, how was I supposed to know that I would end up here, shaping a budding dance team when I couldn't even freestyle without crying? From a young age, I grew up unconsciously adhering to stereotypes. I was in student government, got straight A's, played volleyball, they aren't necessarily bad things, but I felt tied down by obligations. I'd forgotten what it was like to be passionate. Then came high school, and with it, a fresh start. Filled with a sudden surge of bravery and the revelation that I could be a new me, I started dancing. Back then, my inexperience was obvious in the way I moved, full of tension and hesitation, hitting the right beat but not the right feeling. But that's what made it easy, at least for a while. There were no expectations. So I chased improvement knowing I had nothing to prove, no one to impress. I moved with uncertainty, but I was certain in my new passion. As dance grew from time killer to hobby to definition of me, I found myself growing too. Learning new choreography and styles became second nature, and I figured out how to move with intention and control. I became more comfortable with me, from what I looked like and sounded like, to how I carried myself around other people. But even as I gained self-awareness and self-assurance, even as I discovered how to teach with patience and lead with courage in and out of the dance room, something was missing. I was never able to pin it down, but looking into five pairs of questioning eyes, I found my answer. Dance among feelings and family is one of the few things that makes me unsure of where I stand. If a choreography is a controlled showcase of self, then a freestyle is putting all your emotions and anxieties on the line, on the spot. Dance makes me feel like I can fly, but it also translates into my biggest fear, vulnerability. And though it's hard not to run away from it in my relationships, I can't run away from myself. So I do what makes sense. I take that step in, the music continues, and I have never been so thankful to be so afraid. For the California Report, I'm Daisy Kwok. Ladies, you have to pass me out of class. The bell rings at 3.30. So, Tyrus, that's it for our show this week, our special youth takeover. What do you think? Um, I think that hopefully people see teens um, a little bit differently, and they also see the things some of us have to deal with, and I also hope that they enjoyed the youth takeover. And that's the California Report magazine, a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Was that Can too fast? That a little yes. slower. Okay, yeah. This special youth takeover edition was produced at Richmond High School. Was that still too fast? This special takeover edition was produced at Richmond High School with students from Maya Kosover's advanced media class. Richmond! 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 Richmond!
Our producers this week include Laura Clivens, Chanel Ignant, Bianca Taylor, and Nadine Sabai. Susie Racho directs our show. Victoria Mauleon is our senior editor. Our technical director is Seal Muller, and we had additional engineering from Katie McMurrin. Our web producer is David Marks. Our Youth Takeover team also includes Ariana Prail, Rachel Robertson, and Masha Pershing. Special thanks to George Gonzalez at Lincoln High School and Leah Asunuma at Menlo Atherton High School. Okay, I'm Tyrus Hammonds. And I'm Sasha Coca. And, and this, this is, is the California, California Report, Report magazine. magazine. Your, your state, your, your stories. stories. Youth Takeover! Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. And Block Construction, a builder committed to enhancing communities in the Bay Area and Central Coast. B-L-A-C-H dot com. Block Construction. Together, building greatness. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.